From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Celebration 2022's grand entrance kicked off yesterday night as dance groups from all over southeast Alaska and the interior converged on Centennial Hall. The grand entrance this year was hosted by Wrangell. Kevin Richard Callahan is one of the lead dancers with the Chautauquan, one of the two Wrangell groups performing this year. He says the feeling of being back to in-person celebration is indescribable. I couldn't even put it into words to explain or, or to, to break it down. Um, huge. The emotions, the feeling, the excitement, it's just overwhelming. It's, it, this is huge for me and my family. Callahan says that when the drums hit and the dance begins, it feels like this. Oh, rocks your soul. Uh, when you feel the drum and it hits and then depend, I mean, you could be with one person, 10 people, but obviously, you know, a huge filled room like this, it's on a whole nother level. It's like watching high school football and then going to the pros. It's, it is, it's amazing. Um, I think the biggest is seeing your family and, and your clans, your whole village right here is present. So that's what I'm excited for. Uh, it's a Sunday mass service, you know, on a sunny day. Nathan McCohen is a trustee with the Sea Alaska Heritage Institute. He said this was his initial takeaway from this year's celebration. This is what we've been dreaming, crying, working, pleading, uh, hoping to get for, for over two years now. It was a crushing blow to everybody in 2020. We made do, we persevered like our ancestors did before us. And now we're here and now we're gonna have a great three days. McCowan added that the Clinkett, Haida, and Simshian spoken at the event is important to participants on a cultural level. Ryan Rooney is a dancer from Wrangell. He says returning to in-person was important after the pandemic. I think it's really important since we weren't able to come here last time with uh, COVID being in a situation. And so it's really nice to be able to come back up here and celebrate what we've done. Tim Idy Jr. is a member of the Native Alaska Veterans of Southeast. He says celebration is important in passing on culture to the younger generation. It's very important because we've got to share our culture with the little people. And it's very important where it's not about us anymore. It's about the little people. We share our cultures to show them, you know, we dance. Our ancestors come out in us. And that's what it's all about. It's about the, our ancestors have passed this on to us. And we pass it on to the little people. A new arts campus opened its doors to Juno Wednesday. Welcome, welcome everyone to the grand opening of the Sea Alaska Heritage Institute campus. This is the second phase in making Juneau the Northwest Coast Arts Capital of the World. It is so wonderful to be together again. The Alaska Heritage Institute's president, Rosita Worrell, welcomed attendees to the 6,000-square-foot campus located in Heritage Square. Construction began mid-2020 and was officially opened this week. The campus will house space for artists to make Northwest Coast art pieces as well as space for classrooms. The Institute has a number of goals with the campus, including the expansion of Alaska Native art programming, supporting Native artists, and to offer a space where the public can learn about Native cultures and art forms. James Jack of the Wushkitan was invited to speak. This art center is not designed for us. It's designed for our grandchildren. And the design is to continue the artwork of our Native people and to perpetuate it. Our artwork is our identity. 
And we have uh, some leaders, some great teachers that will be doing the teaching here. And it will go on from our grandchildren to their grandchildren to their grandchildren. Celeste Heritage expects the campus to help revitalize downtown and grow the demand for arts, a $58 million industry in Southeast. Juno Mayor Beth Weldon says the campus will go a long way towards downtown revitalization. One of the city and borough's Juno's priority is to revitalize downtown Juno, and the art campus will certainly go a long ways towards that. Between the arts campus and the Walter Soboloff building, it will probably be the shining jewel. Also, they anticipate it will help create more global demand for Alaska Native and Northwest Coast art by exposing cruise visitors to the art forums. The ceremony took place the same day as Celebration's grand entrance later that evening. See Alaska Corporation Board Chair Joe Nelson saying, We are truly here to celebrate, not as a bunch of individual clans, because we're all very, we know our clans and our histories, and we come out to share and bring them out. But we're here, not as an us and them, there is just us. For the next three days, there is just us. And that's the opening the doors to the whole community of Juneau, the whole state of Alaska, the whole northwest coast, uh, and really the whole globe. All made their remarks during the Sea Alaska Heritage Arts Campus opening yesterday afternoon. Juneau police have arrested two men on suspicion for trying to import drugs from Washington. Here's Juneau Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell. On June 7, 2022, at about 3 p.m., members of the Southeast Alaska Cities Against Drugs Task Force contacted two airline passengers at the Juneau International Airport, who were believed to be carrying narcotics as they traveled from Seattle to Juneau. The passengers, 26-year-old Juneau resident Ryan Timothy Lee and 21-year-old Juneau resident Cole Jacob Ripley, were contacted as they exited the plane. Following the investigation, officers located the following narcotics in Lee and Ripley's possession. 304.95 grams of counterfeit oxycodone believed to contain fentanyl, which is approximately 3,050 pills. They also located 68.78 grams of methamphetamine. The seized narcotics have an estimated street value of approximately $103,000. Lee and Ripley were placed under arrest and taken to the Lemon Creek Correctional Center and are held on the following charges misconduct involving a controlled substance in the second degree, a Class A felony, and misconduct involving a controlled substance in the third degree, a Class B felony. CCAD, Southeast Alaska Cities Against Drugs, is a regional task force comprised of municipal police departments from Juneau, Ketchikan, Sitka, Haines, Skagway, Petersburg, Huna, Wrangell, Craig, and Yakutat, the Alaska State Troopers, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Drug Enforcement Administration, United States Postal Inspection Service, and U.S. Coast Guard Investigative Service. Together, they work to investigate drug importation and distribution in the Southeast Alaska region. Juno Police's Craig Campbell. Juno Superior Court Judge Daniel Shalley on Tuesday sentenced 48-year-old George Skeek to 24 years in jail with 12 years suspended and 12 years to serve for a conviction of one count of sexual abuse of a minor in the second degree following a jury trial in June last year. Skeek will be placed on probation for 10 years following his release. In sentencing Skeek, Judge Shalley found that an aggravating factor applied, that the crime was a sexual felony, and that the defendant was more than 10 years older than the victim. 
At sentencing, the victim's family made statements to the court in which they discussed the significant impact the sexual abuse had on the victim's life, including that she spent years engaging in self-harm and trying to disappear. In handing down the sentence, the court applauded the bravery of the victim in reporting the abuse and recognized that the victim was forced to live with the effects of the abuse for more than a quarter of her life. A Wasilla man was arrested early Tuesday morning after authorities found him in a vehicle that was reported stolen the previous day, as well as locating drugs within the truck. A report regarding a stolen vehicle came to state troopers at 6.35 in the afternoon Monday. According to the dispatch, an investigation revealed that 56-year-old Wasilla resident Robert Curtis had broken into the home of the victim, stole the keys to their work truck, and a five-gallon water jug filled with coins and cash. Curtis was found Tuesday at 4 in the morning at mile 49 of the Parks Highway. Trooper said a Ziploc Tupperware-style container containing black tar heroin was found inside the stolen truck. Curtis was arrested for misconduct involving a controlled substance in the second degree, burglary in the first, vehicle theft in the first, theft in the second degree, criminal trespass in the first degree, and violating conditions of release. He was transported and remanded to Matsu pretrial without incident and held without bail. The Huna City Council met as a committee of the whole Tuesday night. One of the items discussed was the implementation of a TV and film crew permitting process. Vice Mayor Stan Savland asked this question to open the discussion. Does the city of Huna need film production permits as, as reality TV changes and there's more and more of these reality TV stations that want to come and film. What is the city's responsibility? What do we want as a community for a permitting process? City Administrator Dennis Gray says the permit would only apply within the city limits. Majority of the shows are filmed when we're filming outside of Winnipeg, which we can enforce. Um, Netflix is up at Nika Bay. They had to get a force, but they didn't do any filming in town. So they wouldn't have necessarily need a permit for us to do that work because they had production in town, but no filming. Um, Alaska Bush people did do some filming in town. So they would, they would have had to have a, had a permit if we had this kind of system set up. But it's up to the council whether or not we want to pursue this kind of oversight on the film industry. Savland says attention directed towards Huna is growing and that the permit concept is a good one. I think our community already gets enough attention with with the tourism that we have and the bush people. I mean, Huna is pretty well getting on the map uh, and and having something like this, I think, is good for the city. It's good for the people of Huna to have this protection for us. So I, I would I would recommend going forward. Huna resident Ariana Drobet told the council she wants the tribe to derive some financial benefit from filming, especially if HIA totem poles are depicted. One of the biggest attractions are the totems, and um, to attract also that, like if they're going to use the totems for Huna, the royalties that they get from that, we get a portion of it, because a lot of the people are using the totems and Huna to advertise theirs. So a lot of times in film production, we get um, they get royalties, a portion of what they use. So that way, Huna is just not used for them to gain profit, but also Huna can gain that profit as well. The city owns only a pair of the totem poles in Huna. After a review by city attorney Jim Sheehan, the matter will come back before the council in July. Candidate for Lieutenant Governor Heidi Dragas spoke to her candidacy while a guest on Action Line. 
She is on the ballot in a unity ticket along with former Governor Bill Walker. Dragas, a former Democrat, is the former commissioner of the Department of Labor and Workforce Development. She also spent nearly a decade as general counsel to the Alaska District Council of Laborers. Dragas was born in Fairbanks and graduated at the university there and Willamette University and currently is a practicing attorney. The lieutenant governor oversees the division of elections. Dragas said she is impressed by the division's handling of this year's special U.S. House race. I've, I've been impressed at how they've handled this vote-by-mail election for this uh, special House race. I actually thought that was very well run and very easy to, to follow the instructions, and um, I like that model and that approach. Um, I mean, I, I think it's, a lot of people are concerned about uh, cybersecurity issues. There have been some breaches. I think um, making sure that our elections are secure is critically important, um, and making sure that the we have... Um, the voting is accessible, um, and that, uh, I think, in Alaska in particular, um, is something that's critical. In addition, Dragas said she supports the automatic PFD voter registration, saying it increased ballot access and ensures that Alaskans are aware of the opportunities with voting. The key issues of the Dragas-Walker ticket include infrastructure, investing in the marine highway, the economy, and a fiscal plan in the state. A lawsuit alleges Alaska's special primary for U.S. House deprives voters who are visually impaired of the ability to cast ballots privately and independently. Saturday's special primary is being conducted primarily by mail. The lawsuit was filed on behalf of the executive director of the Alaska State Commission for Human Rights. It asks a judge to bar state elections officials from certifying the results of the special primary until visually impaired voters are given a, quote, full and fair opportunity to participate. The Department of Law says it is reviewing the lawsuit. It says the Division of Elections has systems in place to help all voters exercise their right to vote. An Alaska Native tribe has nominated for consideration as a national marine sanctuary an area around the Pribilof Islands that supports stellar sea lions, northern fur seals, and other marine life. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration says it has agreed to add the nomination of Alamkano, or Heart of the Ocean, by the Aleut community of St. Paul Island to a list of areas it could consider for designation as a marine sanctuary. The agency notes the addition of a place to the list is no guarantee it will become a sanctuary. The tribe nevertheless lauded the step as significant. Never miss a story or a newscast at keinyradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.